Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Spirit of where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Pirkei Avis Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. Okay, chapter three, Mishnah, Mishnah nine. Mishnah says as follows. Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa Omer, Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa says, Kol cheto. Anybody who his fear of sin is kodemes lechachmaso, comes before his wisdom, chachmaso miskayemes, then his wisdom is going to endure. However, but anybody who his wisdom comes before his yiras chet comes before his fear of sin, then ein chachmaso miskayemes, then his chachma is not going to endure. Now there is another part to the Mishnah. Who He also used to say, Anybody whose actions are greater than his wisdom, chachmaso miskayemes. His chachma is going to be miskayim, it's going to last. But if his wisdom is greater than his, than his actions, then his chachma is not going to last. This second part I'm not going to get to today. The second part is, is, is incredibly troubling. Because think about the implication of that for a moment. Somebody who acts more than what he knows then his chachma is going to endure. What? If you act and you have no idea what you're doing, then how can you say that you're not, you're acting greater than what your knowledge is? First of all, how can you act, how can you do more than what you know? You only know a certain amount of things and therefore you can do only up to those things. You can't go beyond that. How is it possible then that the mission would say that if your maizim are greater than your chachma, your chachma is going to endure? And that is, that's going to cause us a problem. And of course, we'll, we'll deal with it, but that's going to be tomorrow. Today, I want to deal with the first half of the Mishnah. The first half of the Mishnah sounds beautiful. That if you have more, if your fear of God is greater than your wisdom, then your wisdom is going to endure. But that's not new for us. We know this. And where do we know this from? We know this from our davening. We know this from a basic Jewish principle where we say, that the beginning of wisdom is fear of God. That there has to be a sense of godliness when you learn Torah, because if there isn't a sense of godliness, then your Torah becomes wisdom. Your Torah becomes knowledge. Your Torah doesn't become something that, that brings you closer to God and then elevates you. Your Torah is just a, just a set of wisdom. You know that the first there has to be a frame. It has to be a direction for your Torah. And then there could be Torah. Okay, great, I get that. But I, first of all, I know that. And, and what's the lesson, the ethical lesson, that, that in, a, in a religious sense, I need to have my, my, my yira, my fear has to be before my chachma because it has to be, my chachma has to be framed. I get that. But what's the ethical lesson that's being taught to me here? What's the new idea 
that this mission is teaching me. You remember when we laid out our introduction, we said that anything that is a repetition of something that happened before, something that was said before, either in Pirkei Avos or in general, in something that we know in, in, you know, in Jewish um, practice and life, then we know that there's a mistake. In other words, you're understanding it mistakenly because nothing is repeated. Nothing is merely just said over. Remember that mission that we had, which seemed to be by Shmuel HaKotun, which seemed to be just a, a, a restating of a verse in the scriptures and how we gave an entire understanding that it could not mean that because Atana would not just merely say something that was said over in scriptures, that was said in Proverbs. It's already been said, it's already been taught. He doesn't need to teach it in the Mishnah. He does not need to teach in the Mishnah. So what exactly was he teaching us? Plus, what is Yiras Chait? We spoke about this when we spoke about the five students of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai. But what exactly is Yiras Chait? And what is Chachma? What is wisdom? Because I think that's the key to understanding this, this Mishnah. We know that we're told, Ezu Chachm, who's a wise person, we spoke about this before, when we spoke about Yerashchit, the Tana, the student of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai, who was about Yerashchit, who his Rebbe described him as one who feared sin, we said that when he was told to go and to see what the best, um, what the best midah, the best characteristic was to develop, he went and he said that the best one to develop is Roa Esanolad, somebody who's able to see into the future. And what is the worst midah? Somebody who borrows and doesn't pay back. What's the connection between Roa Esanolad and Yerashchit? Between seeing into the future and fear of sin and Chachman wisdom. So I heard an unbelievable thing from Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, from, from Rabbi Yochanan Zweig, a shiva in Miami, Florida. Rabbi Zweig brought up a medrash, and he says that Paro called Yosef an avrich. We'll explain exactly what that is at the end of the medrash, but he was an avrich. The medrash says that everything that Yosef achieved in his lifetime, he achieved Mishalo. He achieved on his own, and not as a reward because of, of behavior, because of things that he did. It wasn't just something that God rewarded him with, but it's something that he was able to achieve. His mouth, says the Medrash, which never kissed in sin, Paro tells him that his mouth is going to lead the nation. His body, which never touched sin, was adorned with the finest clothing of linen. His neck, which didn't bow down to sin, had a gold chain put around it. The hand, which didn't reach out to sin, was adorned with Paro's ring. The feet, which didn't run to sin, rode in a a beautiful chariot. The thoughts that didn't think of sin will be called wise. As it says, Av b'chachma, rach b'shanim that he was called Avrech by Paro and the Egyptians, that he was an Av Bechachma. He was like a father figure in wisdom. But he was Rach Bishonim. He was young in years. What's the matter saying to us? That everything that he did because of not sinning with the, 
with Aisha's Potiphar, with the wife of Potiphar. So that is what rewarded him. And that he wasn't, he, he wasn't rewarded, but rather he achieved this because of the actions that he did. His Yiras Shomayim, what the Medrash is telling me is Yiras Shomayim, his fear of heaven, yielded him that he should become an Av B'chachma. That his fear of heaven, his fear of sin, resulted in his chachma, in his being looked at and appraised and praised for his incredible wisdom. What does one thing have to do with the other? What does his yiras chet have to do with his ability to be considered such an incredible chacham? So what's the opposite of a person who's wise? Well, if you look at the Haggadah, the Haggadah seems to think that the opposite of a wise person is a rush, is a wicked person. But I think the Chazal would tell us that the opposite of a wise person is a fool. And in Mishlei, and in through the Chachamim, we actually have many different iterations of exactly what a fool is. We understand the Gemara gives examples of a fool as a person who's ma'abed, who loses everything you give him. Because a fool is a person that engages in self-destructive behavior. A fool is a person that you give him something special, you give him something precious, and he loses it. A fool is a person that sleeps in a, in a cemetery. A fool is a person that, that does that acts in, in, in ways that are self-destructive. So if that's what a seal is, if that's what a fool is, so then what is the opposite of a fool? The opposite of a fool is a chacham, which means a chacham is a person who is engaged with and committed to life. A chacham believes in life. He's committed to life. A fool has a very weak attachment to life. You know, a thrill seeker, I remember once in the IMAX theater in San Diego, there was this massive, massive movie about thrill seekers. I remember that I used to take my kids to the IMAX because usually those movies were about somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes. And the chairs were very, very comfortable. It was an amazing 45-minute nap. It cost me 11 bucks, but it was worth it. My kids were protected, taken care of. They were watching a movie, and I could get a little shut-eye. And this, this movie, The Thrill Seekers, was actually incredible because the footage, they, they, they literally, you know, with, with incredible, incredible camera work, showed people jumping off of mountains and doing the craziest, you know, those, they have those bird suits, that you can you can fly in the in these suits, and they and they the footage that they had of that was something unbelievable, and they talked in that movie about thrill seekers and adrenaline rush and but it was people that needed that, because it was people that the escape from death gave them a feel for life. Life itself wasn't thrilling to them; it was only the fact that they could escape from death. The fact that they could get out of the clutches of death, only that would give them 
a sense of a sense of excitement and a sense of connection to life. That is the ultimate seal, the ultimate fool, because that's a person who ultimately is engaged in self-destructive behavior, and it's only through getting themselves out of the clutches of that destruction, of saving themselves from that near obliteration, then life becomes meaningful. Look what I saved myself from. Look what I was saved from. As opposed to somebody who looks at life and says, life is so dear and precious on its own, that just living purposefully, living with meaning is enough to give me a rush, is enough to give me a buzz, a Shabbos, and sitting through a Shabbos meal. I don't need at the end of the Shabbos meal to get a t-shirt and said, I made it through a meal at, you know, whoever my host might be. I don't need that because just the meal, just being involved in that, that in itself is meaningful. You know, I spoke once before about Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moshe Rabbeinu, when God came to him and said to him, go fight against the Mijonim. And, and he, was supposed to, he was supposed to go fight against them. And he wasn't, he wasn't to fight himself. He sent, he, he sent his, his armies out. He sent Pinchas out. But the terrorist says that God said to him, that and afterwards you're going to be gathered to your people and you're going to die. Now, I mentioned this once, that if you were given an instruction and you were told, do this, and then after you do this, you're going to die, when would you do this? Not the next day. You, you take a little time. You delay it a little bit. You'd wait. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't delay for one second. Immediately went and followed God's directive, knowing, of course, that this was going to be the end. Why would Moshe Rabbeinu have done this? Doesn't it show a cavalier attitude to life that you don't really value life because you're willing to give it away so quickly? So our rabbis explain just the opposite. Moshe Rabbeinu valued life. Life was mitzvah. Life was doing God's will. Life was creating a bond with God. And if there was, there was a moment that was being passed up, there was an opportunity to bond with God, and that was being passed up, then life wasn't worth living. Because life itself was valuable. It wasn't that the brush with death, the, the thrill is what gave it a meaning. It's the living in the day-to-day thing, the living in the, in the command of God, in living, doing God's will, that in itself gave him joy. We don't appreciate very often we don't appreciate what we have. Only when we're reminded of what we don't have do we appreciate it, or when we stand to lose it do we appreciate it. It's one of the sad things in life that the bracha of Asher Yatzer, I've, I've found, I've had a few times, I've had brushes with kidney stones, and only after you're cleared from the kidney stone, that bracha of Asher Yatzer takes on a totally different meaning. The brachas that we make in the morning of standing on the earth when you have a problem with your legs and you make that bracha, it takes on different meaning. But that's a little bit of foolish behavior because really it's meant to be that not only when we remember death do we feel a zest for life, that life on the edge is, is the real, is the real, where we really get that sense of purpose and meaning. But rather it's meant to be every single moment of every single day, we're meant to be cognizant and aware 
of the value and the meaning of life. What's Yiraschet? What's the fear of sin? The fear of sin means that a person distances himself from sin. He's a Yorei Chet. He's afraid of doing something wrong because he doesn't want to live on the edge. He doesn't want to live with near oblivion. He doesn't want to live with making a fatal mistake. He wants life to be simple. He wants life to be clean because he values life so much that he wants to stay away from self-destructive behavior. Life itself is powerful enough. I don't need to be tested to find meaning in life. And that was Yosef. Yosef was a yore chet. He was so afraid of stepping over the line with Mrs. Potiphar that he distanced himself from sin because he didn't need it. He didn't need to save himself from an isayun, to save himself from a test, to find meaning in his existence. And that's why he did everything he could to stay away from that edge. And the Torah tells us, Vayonas, that he jumped, he ran outside because he didn't want the test. Many people appreciate the fact that they have a test and that, look, I was able to pass the test. There are others that say, I don't want them, I don't want the reward because I have enough to do without the Nisayun, without the test, without being pushed to the edge. Living life in the middle is precious enough. It's awesome enough. He was confident enough in his righteousness that he didn't need confirmation. He didn't need to, to be proved that, look, you're such a strong person. He was okay with that knowledge. And that's why he kept himself away from it. A person who is a yare chait, a person who fears sin, and his yiras cheto, his genuine desire for life is the basis of his chachma, of his connection to God. Yiras chait is the desire, the understanding of the importance of the value of the beauty of life. Chachma is the understanding of a connection to God. If his yiras chet, if his desire to stay away from things that are on the edge, things that could, that, that destructive behavior, self-destructive behavior, it's koidemes, it's the thing that guides his chachma, his desire to have a relationship with God, so then chachmasa miskayemes, then his wisdom is going to last. His connection with God is going to last. If I take risks, then it shows that I don't have a real desire to distance myself from sin. And what that's saying about me is that life is not that precious. And if that's the case, my chachma, my knowledge and understanding and appreciation of God is not going to endure, to endure. It's not only about loving God, but it's also about separating from sin 
Because separating from sin, desiring to be away from it, shows the value that I place life at, the importance that I give to life. But if my desire for a relationship with God, I have that desire, but it comes before, it's greater than my, my willingness to be able to stay away from sin. If I continue to live my life on the edge, then that relationship with God, in that relationship with God is not going to endure. Ezu Chacham, who is a wise person? A person who is a roa esanolad. A person who is able to look into the future and understand the ramifications of what he's doing. If I do this, this is going to push me to the edge. This is going to tamper with my sense of connection to life and my sense of appreciation of God. And that's why it's connected to Chachma, it's connected to wisdom. Yiras Chet is my understanding of what sin means, of what doing these dangerous, self-destructive kind of things, what they could be doing. You remember we spent a lot of time on talking about the fact that mitzvahs are really the way that God wants us to live. Mitzvahs are the best thing for us. Therefore, what are Averos? Averos are self-destructive behavior. It's not God destroying us. It's not the devil destroying us. It's our own destruction. It's our own self-destructive behavior. Because we're meant to understand how valuable life is, and when we don't live that way, that is causing ourselves our own destruction, our own ruination. And that's what the mission is teaching me. The mission is teaching me that I have to have yiras chet, a desire for life. And that has to be the thing that precedes, that informs, that sets the stage for my chachma, which is my relationship with God. This is not the same as saying Rashis Chachma Yiras Hashem. That's talking about a different thing. It's talking about learning Torah. It's talking about the direction of learning Torah. This is a piece of advice for my life as a Jew in general. That this is telling me that I have to have a sense of Yiras Chet. I have to have a sense of where this is going. I have to have a sense of that the things that I'm going to do have to mirror my desire for life. And if they do, so then my chachma, my relationship with God, will endure. My thoughts. Can I ask for clarification on something, Rabbi? When you're talking about a wise person, you said the opposite was either wicked or foolish. Now, I don't feel myself to be wise, but I hope I'm not wicked or foolish. Can I be not yet wise? Is that another alternative? Yes, but, but, but and you know, I'm not saying this in a personal way, <laughs> but if a person is not wise, that means that there are still strains of foolishness. Foolishness that's not, not put in check actually becomes wickedness. Because, because what, is, what, what is wisdom? The, the way we're explaining it in this context, wisdom is the knowledge and desire to have a relationship with God. If there is a part of me that is, that, that is not appreciative of that relationship with God, and therefore I live on the edge, I'm willing to bargain away a mitzvah or two 
you know, it sounds funny when you put it in this context, but that's what, that's what happens very often. I'm willing to be a little loose with a certain mitzvah because I don't, I don't recognize its value or the value that this places in my life, which means ultimately, I won't call you a fool. Ultimately, that's foolish behavior. Yeah. Who can be a wise person that has behaviors that are foolish behavior? We're, we're not fools, but we're often not wise. We're somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. You, you definitely want to be a wise person who does foolish things rather than to be a foolish person who does some wise things. And as, okay. long, as, you're, as long as you're a wise person who does some foolish things, so then you're, you're constantly pushing the, the ball, you're pushing the goalpost over, and that's how you enter into wisdom. But we have to be honest with ourselves. You know, and it, every person has to be honest with themselves and has to ask, why is it that, why is it that I'm, there are certain things I'm just not sensitive to? There are certain things that I'm just not careful with. There are certain things that don't, that don't really bother me if I do them or don't do them because I don't understand their value and the value that they place in my life. When I don't understand that, that's called living life on the edge. And that living life on the edge, that's foolishness. It's not a bad thing to be able to identify that and to be able to recognize that. Because when I recognize that, then I can say, wait, but I'm not a fool. I, I do value life. Well, if I value life, then I need to incorporate that into my life also, because that's also an important part of my living, my living with God. Thank you. Okay, my pleasure. Tomorrow is Wednesday. And, um, and then Thursday of this week, what I think we'll do is um, instead of Parsha, um, Thursday is Shivasar Tamus, is the 17th of Tamus. And maybe I will use that, that Parsha time for, um, for, for uh, talking a little bit about the 17th of Tamus. A little bit about what this whole period of time means to us, what, uh, what we're meant to be focusing on beginning of the three weeks of, uh, of mourning for the destruction of the temple, which always takes, seems to take on a different characteristic um, here in the land of Israel. And, uh, and I think we'll discuss that. 